Hello, everybody. Uh, it's Friday. It's noon Pacific and a whole bunch of other time zones all over the world. I'm here and honored to be here with the two most level-headed guys in the space. We have Rob from Digital Asset News and we have Ben from Into the Cryptoverse. So really, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for everybody being in the audience. I know these are very anxious ridden times. So before we jump into kind of a structured conversation, how are you guys doing today? Better than my portfolio, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, you're in part of your portfolio now. Yeah. <laughs> so good, good. Well, let's let's jump in. I know we're gonna, as usual, go through what we believe the audience is thinking about. And then we'll take a couple of questions from the audience as well. Don't forget, everybody, this uh, show is sponsored by Digital Asset News and Into the Cryptoverse. Links are below in the description. You Make sure you are subscribed. I know we have a lot of good cross-pollination, but again, it's very important in this space to hear different points of view. Nobody's ever right all the time, but uh, having a grounded platform by which to take not advice from, but maybe some guidance, some tidbits, uh, is extremely helpful. So without further ado, let's jump in. Um, so the big question, um, let's just talk about the floor, first of all. You know, there was, we saw a clear support level at about $40,000 for Bitcoin. Um, it hovered around 42 k for a long time. Yesterday, I discussed option expiry. It appeared that the bears were in control and we could breach that. We did, came down nasty wick, but the equity markets are in even a bigger world of hurt right now. You got top, top names yeah. down 70, 80% from all time highs. You've got, uh, you know, people come after YouTubers saying they're wrong. But if you look at some of the best investors of the world, like Kathy Wood, her ARK funds are down 60%. Uh, some of them even down 30% just year to date in a couple of weeks, some 75%. So where do you guys see the world right now, putting equities aside? Where do you see the floor for Bitcoin? We broke through that 200-day moving average. We're now $10,000 under it, which it's very rare. You're so far below that moving average. But could you see us going all the way down to 30K? Or do you see any support levels here? Yeah, it's one of those things we said at 40K too, you know, we always look for reasons why we want things to, to hold. I mean, clearly 30K is a big area as well. Um, it, I don't want to say like there's necessarily like an absolute floor, because if you do and it goes below it, then, you know, you just keep making up a new floor, right? <laughs> Um, but I, I would say there's probably, you know, certain probabilities associated with the various levels holding, you know, and, and obviously the further down we go, you could argue the more likely it is that we're, we're going to hold that price. Uh, 30K is, is certainly, an, I think, an area of interest in the event of, of, a, of a cascade down. But like, I, I don't I don't want to be like, I don't want to scare anyone. But I also I also don't want to say that it's impossible for us to go below 30K because we could. I mean, we went below 30K in the summer. We went below 30K in January. Um, it is possible for us to go to go below 30k again. Uh, so I, I don't want to say that 30k is necessarily a floor for, for Bitcoin. Normally, what you look at, you look at the longer term moving averages, right? You can look at logarithmic regression and stuff to to identify an absolute floor historically, um, and that absolute floor is is actually at 20k, not 30k, and that that would be like full on worst case scenario is going back to that level. I think. Um, 
But look, there, there's still a good chance that we can hold well above that level and, and move higher. In the same way, when we look at the regression bands, we sort of got rejected at the very bottom of the upper regression band because people are probably, you know, wising up to the idea and they're like taking profits. In the same way, people might get too greedy on the way down and wait for, for lower prices uh, that might not might not present themselves. So I, I think that you need a you need to have a plan either either whether 30k holds or not. Yeah. What do you see, Rob? Uh, I mean, here's the thing. I think everybody's scared. Everybody's scared right now in every single market that's out there. And I think when they when they look at things, because I mean, if you just take a look at the traditional markets, you're not going to see a 27% gain in an S&P 500 again. I mean, not this year. It's not going to happen like that. So. It's amazing to me that when, and we, I just talked about this today, how Netflix, I mean, dropped so much just because, not because that there was like a hack or there was some some huge massive uh, problem with it. The problem was that they just weren't growing as fast as they predicted. So it lost like 20 points or something like that. And I was like, it to me, it just seems like it's an amazing thing that the traditional market, the traditional players that are in there, they get so worried about what's going to happen they say okay well now i got to hold everything i got to bring everything back and then they're they're stuck in money and of course they have cash in the bank what do they do with that cash in the bank well they're getting taxed at seven percent because of the inflation so it's like why why even do that and why not just put it in a different asset so to look into like bitcoin and see where that's going it seems to me like it's a pretty good it would be a pretty good opportunity for them to go well if the tech is going down i'm going to take out a tech stocks and i don't really know what, what it's going to go into maybe they could go in this route but it just seems like could bitcoin go below that well if you look at the fear and greed index sure it could is it logical no but the whole market is irrational right now that's just how it is yeah well we get to this area and i've seen this many many times in my life where things just cascade through floors um, I was on the phone with Ameritrade this morning because I had to do some things. And uh, I said, how's your day? And he said, well, per our records, this is the busiest day we've had since June 2021. So literally, there's a whole bunch of margin calls and really nasty stuff happening. And that's why we're seeing absolutely crazy things. If you look at, if you look at MicroStrategy, for example, MicroStrategy is now selling as if the company is worth nothing. And the value of the Bitcoin that they hold, the 125,000 Bitcoin, is worth 25% more, just that bag, 25% more than the actual market cap of the company. And that shows you ridiculous stuff is happening right now and the cascading losses are happening. So this is the time where the big money is made when people are brave enough to run into that burning building. I know it's a horrible yeah. thing to say, but that's why you always have cash on hand for exactly these types of situations where you can buy things at a fraction of the cost and way under their intrinsic value. Um, so it, it's it's ugly out there. And I wish there was a way of us getting rid of this ugliness, but that's the way markets work. And that's the danger with investing all the time as well. So that being the floor, we kind of have the floor. Now, what also blows me away is there is just nothing but extremely bullish news. We, we heard about Tonga last week. We heard about Erdogan meeting Nayib Bukele in El Salvador, trying to figure out maybe a Bitcoin bond or something like that. And we're not quite sure what their conversations covered. We have um, Mike McGlone from Bloomberg talking about Bitcoin becoming a risk-off asset in 2022. We are actually almost at that level where it is deemed a risk-off asset because it's so far below the 200-day moving average. Um, do you guys envision Bitcoin becoming that risk-off asset in 2022? I know it will at some stage. 
It'll become the reserve currency or the port of safety for the planet. But with all the adoption we're seeing around the world right now, all the financial crises happening, the crazy inflation, where do you, when do you guys see that happening, if at all? I'll, I'll just say it like this. I don't see... I don't see a lot of people in the traditional space looking at Bitcoin and going, wow, this is a great opportunity to get into it because it's so low. I really do think that when you when you have these situations, especially when you see what let's just take a multi multi-millionaire, billionaire, and they take a look at what's going on in the market, and all of a sudden they're losing, losing, losing. They're like, I gotta get out of this and get into money, even though I know I'm gonna lose more into money. And then maybe I'll get another other hard assets that won't bring me. 50%, 60%, 120% type of returns because that's just too risky. They're going to just go into something that's safe like they've always done and people have that that fight or flight response. They get nervous, the anxiety builds up like I got to be safe and I got to get into this into this very safe fiat. And we know where, where that's I mean eventually will go. But for me to say that people are going to just kind of just suddenly get it and go, "Oh no, this hard asset's going to be pretty good. I'm going to look 5, 10 years down the road." I don't think it's going to happen this year. And that's why these investors, they won't get to that point. Uh, and a lot of the gains are all made by people like us who are watching this video right now. You watch this video, you're probably going to be one of those people who are like, man, I'm glad I held on to it uh, at that point, because look at me in 2027, look how much it's worth now. That's how I see it. Yeah. Ben, you have a take? Yeah, I don't, it's, hard to, it's hard to think about it becoming um, super... Like, I, it's hard to imagine it sort of like decoupling from the stock market, I guess, in, in the short term. I mean, we're watching we're watching the Nasdaq go down every single day and and every day that it goes right. down, Bitcoin going going down uh, right with it. So I, I think in the short term, at least we are it is probably going to be at the mercy of what the stock market does, you know, to be completely honest. And with the, with the Nasdaq going down 2% every day, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what the Fed's going to do. They, they have this complicated issue of trying to, you know, conquer <laughs> inflation, but they also don't want the markets to trash either. Yeah. So you know, I, I'll be looking for their response to this. Exactly. But I look, I, I think that I th as I said, you know, as I said in the last one, I, I think that Q1 still looks relatively bearish for, for Bitcoin overall. And, and, and maybe even bleeding into Q2. But I, I do think that we will find a floor uh, in the first half of this year, more than likely. And then, and then we'll try to build up. And you, you, know, you mentioned that um, all the good news that's coming out, right? And, and, and sometimes it's like, well, all this great stuff is happening. I think part of it is like, it's not a single event that'll change it. It's just the culmination of hundreds of events that just hundreds of good news, one after another. And then eventually we'll, we'll start moving up again on that. But I, I don't think it's going to change the nature of, of investing in Bitcoin in 2022, I, I think it'll probably more or less be tied to the stock market either being healthy or not. Yeah, like the CEO of Schwab came out last night. Uh, Schwab has, you know, the customers of Schwab own about 8.2 trillion in assets. And he said, we want Bitcoin. We want our customers to be able to get it. You can just imagine just that one shop, 8 trillion of assets, 5% convert and buy some Bitcoin with it. I mean, the the thing would go crazy. So it's just it's just shocking how how weak things are. Um, but I think you're right. Q Q one always looked like it would be bumpy. See, James, the the, the same thing was done. There was an article yesterday about uh, Nidig coming out with the 400 different banks, the small yeah. banks. They're going. We want our customers to get into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. The problem is. They're going to talk to them about that, just like Schwab's going to talk to their customers. They're going to say that looks pretty good, but at the whiff 
of any type of volatility. They're like, this is crazy. I'm used to my stocks, you know, going up, you know, 5% or something like that. I just lost 10% and they're not going to understand. So without education, without these guys really getting into it, it's, it's going to, it's not going to work. And that's why it's so important that, you know, people get educated. So I can see it, but I don't see it. So how, how are you guys preparing for these macro shocks? There's a lot of, we, we know what's coming down the pike, but you know, you just mentioned something very important regarding President Biden. I know President Biden got on the phone two or three weeks ago to Jerome Powell and said, hey, fix this inflation thing. Now the stock market, because Tangy's probably on the phone now, hey, fix the stock market. So is that tightrope I said uh, a couple of weeks ago, I said, I, why is Jerome Powell wanting this job again? It's the worst job. There's no, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't, you can't fix this. This is, this is a huge monetary problem that exists not only in the US, but all around the world. And there's very few safe haven ports. But what are you doing for these macro shocks like interest rate hikes, potential war with Ukraine, etc.? How are you guys preparing? I think one of the important things that people should do is, um, is look, at, obviously, there's an inflation and obviously the value of the dollar goes down with time. So it's not people don't like to hear that you should be stacking cash or stack stacking stable coins. But you know, if if we think that there's a good chance there's going to be a lot of turmoil in the markets for a few months or even volatility to the upside and the downside, and you want to wait it out for a while, I, I don't I don't see a bad a bad a problem with with just kind of wanting to to grow your stablecoin stack for a little while, and then you know you can always come in with it later, and that doesn't mean you can't you can't buy stocks right now. It doesn't mean you can't buy crypto right now, but. I think having a sizable stablecoin stack, as you said, James, earlier on, like just so you have the cash to, to come in later. If, if there is a liquidation event in either the stock market or in crypto, where we see a huge cascade, like we saw in December 2018, March of 2020, and May 2021, you want to have cash on hand to, to, you know, to take advantage of that. And we always like to measure things from like local lows to then local highs. And it's hard to actually catch the local lows because that's when everyone wants to sell. And it's always easy to go back and look at it later. So I would say one, one, one good thing to do, I think, is to, is to let your, your cash position grow. Um, and then I, I think later this year, you know, maybe, maybe by the second quarter as we get into the third quarter, and especially with election, I mean, you know, we have midterms uh, coming up yeah, later. Right. So that'll, I think that'll have some effects on, on the markets. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think that's what you can do is, is you can stack cash and then and then wait for the opportunity. Yeah. And again, yeah, it's as, as you guys believe, Q1 will be remain bumpy. Um, I, I have noticed as well, though, over the past, say, 20 to 30 years, markets tend to tank and capitulate faster than ever before. Each year, things tank quicker, so bottoms are reached faster. And if I look at some of the, again, comparing tech names, Going back to the equity markets versus uh, crypto markets, you have some crypto names. I think Bitcoin is down what forty two and a half percent from its all time high, and you've got you yeah. got you got top tech names, you know, down seventy eighty percent from their highs. They're getting absolutely murdered. You know, the interest rate sensitive stocks, etc. So, crypto is actually holding up relatively well. I don't want that to sound bad, but like Bitcoin. We're way above where we were. We're nine thousand dollars above where we were in June. You know that's that's not bad for six months return. So uh, it's just a crazy, crazy world out there. So in terms of let's let's switch gears. There was another thing that I know people want to hear from you guys is 
What are your favorite TA indicators and how do you identify tops and bottoms? I know Ben, you're deep, deep, deep into TA, but what if you, if you had to pick five and you were only allowed to use five tools, what would they be? Am I going first? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. You're not asking me this question. Um, <laughs> oh, I am. I would say for, well, for, yeah. for, for Bitcoin, for, for Bitcoin, I, I definitely think the, the logarithmic regression bands are, have been instrumental in, in helping identify when it's super undervalued and it's super overvalued. Hmm. Uh, like when we went to 64 K earlier this earlier in 2021, we hit the upper regression band. Like we, we hit it and and it was it was hard looking at that and saying like gosh like it we're here like you know it wasn't that long ago where we were not here in the regression band and and now we're here like we're at the upper one and we were only at the bottom one like you know six months before it um so that's probably one of them i also i, I also like looking looking at the running roi like the running return on investment for for things like bitcoin like their one the one year the two year the three year the four year roi because it, it does show that that like on any given year, you could see, you know, you could see it come down on any given year, but as long as you hold it for a few years, you, you, you'd be hard pressed not to see fairly attractive returns, um, uh, at least in, in Bitcoin. And, and that's something we've seen, you know, happen, uh, many, many times. Um, you know, some other ones I, I, I think are, are looking with specifically with, with say Bitcoin, cause you said five, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think looking a lot at the at the like the 20 week estimate, the 21 week EMA, and then looking at the extension of of Bitcoin from those levels, and and then seeing like you know if we are if we're more than a hundred percent extended above the 20 week moving average, historically we know Bitcoin's bubble is about to come back down. Okay, and that's where it was back in April, and and it was over a hundred percent above its 20 week SMA. And so we knew it was only a matter of time before before it would it would come back down, and it did, and it went back down to 29k in the summer. So uh, that's three of them. Um, I, I also think you know I have my own risk metrics that I I, I look at that I, I think are are pretty good at identifying parabolic rallies. You know they're they're not as good at identifying say a 2x move in the market because you know we're here if you're in crypto I imagine you want more than 2x. Um, and then maybe maybe some of the other stuff is. I have started to, to find some interest in, in some of the on-chain data because e even though it, it always seems like it's bullish, um, it, it does sort of paint an interesting picture. Like if you go look at like the HODL waves for the HODL yeah. waves for Bitcoin, it, it really does show like a um, long-term investor mindset versus short-term investor mindset. And you can clearly see during parabolic rallies, the long-term investors are taking profits and the short-term investors are, are piling in. Um, and, and we see that time and time again. So if I had to say five, uh, maybe I would say those five. But that was good. Rob, I know you're doing more TA stuff, but what would your go-to tools be when you look at a chart? <laughs> it's, it's not that much. We did a, we did a video together and you, yeah. you talked to me about, uh, we talked about the 200 day moving average, just like what Ben was talking about. Yeah. I still take a look at the RSI, even though people say, well, it doesn't make that big of an indicator. And especially with cryptocurrency, even though you're talking about, you know, the, uh, the 14 day close and things like that. But I still take a look at it just to see what's overbought and oversold. The MACD that we talked about before. So like for my TA indicators, I take a look at those and I just kind of just see where things are going. But the other big thing I like to look at is the on-chain analysis. And one of the ones that I use is from CryptoQuant. 
So I always take a look at how things are going as far as like the outflows for the exchanges, Bitcoin, Ethereum, those types of things. But there's another one, there's two that I look at every day, which is the estimated leverage ratio. Because I'm trying to take a look at just how high leverage are actually going. And it just seems like it's going up and up. And then when it hits a peak of this certain number, anything about, like they talk about everything above 2.0, it seems to trigger a bunch of leverages or a bunch of liquidations. And then that one then also net unrealized profits and losses. Because when I see that there's a lot of different uh, unrealized uh, profits coming up, I just you can just kind of see it just go up and people are like, wow, I have so many profits, I'm gonna start taking them and it kind of just falls down. So I take a look at those things and just to kind of play it as I can see it. But I think the bigger thing for me is just when to, it's not so much like where to, to sell per se, to me, it's just about the time of actually getting into it and buying. And I think one of the things that does help me is the MACD is everything flips over. Because then when I can, take, I can take a look at the volume and say, well, yes, this is a good time to buy. But lately, it seems like I'll find a good uh, point to buy and then it'll bottom out again and it'll go even lower. So it's just one of those things where it's like, well, okay, yeah, it's, see how it it's, goes. It's very overwhelming now looking at all the stuff that could be bought. It's just like, Everything is completely on sale, but a couple of things are holding up pretty, pretty well. But getting back to one of the things I like for, for the audience, I like simple trend lines. I like Bollinger Bands. I like RSI, MACD to confirm the RSI. I got into Ichimoku over the last six months, and I love VPSV for short timeframes to say you know, who's dumping, who's buying, etc. But the RSI right now hasn't been this low since March, April 2020 on both the weekly and the monthly which is kind of staggering. So that that would tell me we are at historical sweet buy levels. I don't want to sound like, you know, hopium here, but buying at the 37,900 historically based on TA seems like a historically cheap time to buy because we haven't been here for a year and a half or more. What do you say to that, Ben? I see you nodding. Yeah, no, I mean, I... Look, it depends on your on your perspective, and and you're a long term investor. For I mean, like you you get the long term the long term mindset. I mean, I know you do some short term stuff too as well. But um, like, if you're in this for the next few years, like I, I think this is a great time, like to just DCA into the market and recognize that look, it could get better or it could get worse before it gets better. You look at the weekly RSI; it's pretty low, but it, it could also go lower. I mean, I I don't want to you know I don't want to sound like it, it can't go lower. We 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 are at the same level that we are. Yeah, we're at the same. We're about as low as we were in March of 2020. Uh, but for us to get to as low as we were in March of 2020, we would actually need to sustain this downtrend for a, a few more weeks, I believe. Um, and, and, and to get to where we were back in, say, the end of 2018, we might need to, we might need to see the, the price action stay more or less like it is in a, in a slow bleed. That could still play out over over the next couple of months, and and so that's why I, I I've I've said before, you know, I think that I think that Q1 is going to remain bearish, um, and a lot of people sort of misunderstand what what people say when 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 you say whether things are bearish or bullish. Look, when the market is bearish, that that is really when you want to be uh, getting into the market. I, I mean. Right, that bull markets make you money, bear markets make you rich, and it's one of those things where if you if you buy on any given week and and then the price goes down, there's definitely a hundred people there to remind you that that you bought and the price went down. Um, but as long as you as long as you look at this and you say, look, we are in oversold conditions, you recognize it could stay like that for a few months, um, and and then just sort of look towards later this year and then getting into early next year. I, I don't I don't really see the problem in in sort of 
DCing and and also keeping a cash position on hand to to try to buy even more if it goes down further. Yeah. Do you guys implement ladders? So I like to look at the market and ladders. Say, for example, okay, you got a range between 30K. It's my kind of maximum, 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 worst case black swan Bitcoin floor for a sustainable daily close from 40K. Do you put in ladder buying limits like 37.1, 34.3 all the way down or just go with your feel on the day? So like I've... I've tried to do this in the past and some it's the, it's a, it's a weird thing. Sometimes it'll work out pretty well, just like how you want it to. But a lot of times it seems like a lot of people, if they're not paying attention, they will all of a sudden they will sell at a very low point and they will buy back in at a higher point. And then to me, I'm just like, uh, I just, it's just like, it's just, it's a difficult thing to, to keep doing and keep going round and round and round. So I'm just like, you know what, I'm just going to keep it. And if it goes to, to, to a certain point, I'm trying to to uh, wait for a little bit lower because I think it's going to go lower and then I'll buy at that point. I'm going to miss it. I'm never going to time it perfectly. But again, it's, it's all about time in the market as far as time as opposed to timing. Yeah, I do have I do have buys uh, laddered down. Um, and actually, what I like to do is I, I actually weight them heavier the lower that I go. Uh, so that so that if it goes down to those levels, my cost basis will be as low, like as low as I can get it. Um, and the reason I do that is not because I, I don't think I mean, I, I do think that the market still remains bearish for a while, but I, I don't know. I don't know when a liquidation cascade might get triggered. And I also know that when they do get triggered, it also, if, uh, it's often very hard to actually get onto exchanges to actually go buy at that time just because there's so much traffic at the time. So, yeah, I do have them laddered down. Uh, I, I have some in the 30s. I even have some in the 20s already already said just in case because you never know. I mean, like when we in March of 2020, we went down to $3,800. But by the end of the day, we were already back into the $5,000 range when that happened. So like it's possible we could go lower and and then it's like the worst thing in the world. And then maybe by the end of the week, we are, you know, we come back up to the levels that before we liquidated from. So I, I do I do have uh, buys uh ladder down and, and they actually get they're weighted a lot stronger the lower that it goes it's so funny so ben, I, I remember that day well i closed my office door and cleared out my calendar and did nothing <laughs> but trade into big heavy leverage positions so anyways. so i i guess like like as you like ben so you go down to like like let's say it hits like 22k so it's like a double of what you might have at like a 33k or something like that would it be that heavy it would actually be heavier probably yeah. um uh for like right now well 30k is yeah so i think it would be no maybe not double from from that one basically i have five i have five levels where i put in like if like if it's at if, if we were trading at like 50k right now i might be putting in x if we're at 40k that i'm putting in 2x if we're putting at 30k that i'm 3x if you know at 20k i might be 4x so it's basically just a multiple off what of like what my sort of like baseline DCA would would be if I if we were just sort of in a trending trending up market. So it is a lot higher than it would be otherwise. I, maybe not twice. Maybe not twice what it would be at thirty k, but um, it is it is more. And and I and I just add to them. And and you know what? Like some some people some people will say if we don't go to those levels, which we might not, then. What's the worst thing? The rest of your portfolio is looking good again, you know, even if they don't get filled. So I, I, I think it's a good thing to have them set. And if they get filled one day, then they get filled. And if they don't, then eventually you just you move them up. 
Yeah, and I'm about 20% cash. I was 22% the other day, and I started nibbling on some positions. But what I do is similar to you. Sometimes I double or triple as they fall down to my different buy levels, just like exiting too. Uh, so that's good information. All right, we have a a another interesting concept from the audience. Is I don't know if you guys. I know Ben, you do invest in stocks, but what are your three favorite stocks right now? Each of you, if you had to buy three stocks, what would they be, or what do you hold? Well, shoot, I'd tell you, I'd probably be looking at Netflix right now. It's down pretty high. I don't see how. I think that's a mistake. I don't see. I mean, I I know the earnings report came out, but I'm like, come on, it's going to drop that much by that. That's that makes no sense. So for me, that would be one that I would get into. Also, something maybe a little bit safer right now. I mean, stocks. I have, I have Tesla, I have Amazon, and I have uh, Mara, and I think Riot, and that's pretty much it. I'm not a big uh, stock type of person, but I might pick up something else uh, on top of that. But that's what I got. Cool. Ben, how about you? Any favorites? Well, yeah, I mean, Tesla's been really good to me over the years. Um, I've heard a thousand, I mean, I've heard everyone say that it's overvalued and it's going to drop 50%. And look, they, they might be right, but um, it, it's an oscillator against Bitcoin. You know, I mean, it, Bitcoin and Tesla have more or less given the same returns for the last four years. Uh, so don't don't let people tell you you can't make money outside of crypto. I mean, Tesla's given the same returns that Bitcoin has. Yeah. Um, uh, so Tesla for sure is, is one. And then, like, I, I really like the the blue chips, to be completely honest. I, I, I think Apple. <laughs> I like Apple. Microsoft. I mean, Microsoft has got completely killed recently in, in this sell off. Um, but it, it's hard not to just go back to these big tech companies and, and also realize that, you know, the main reason that a lot of the ma major index funds are up is because of them and not because of the, you know, several hundred other assets that are in that index fund. It's just because you have six or seven that are outperforming everything and the other ones are might actually even be down. So um, Tesla and then I, I, I also have uh, or have recently bought, bought into Apple and, and Microsoft, but then I also buy in the, in the index funds, too, which basically gives you the entire market. Good, good. Yeah. Well, and, and my big three, apart from my Bitcoin proxies, my cortex would be Google, Tesla and Amazon. I just got into Amazon. So that's kind of the way I see the world right now. I think Amazon is very oversold. Tesla's holding it strong and so is Google. They always do, but they just stumble away. We got another super interesting question. And I love the way these audience questions come in to you guys, because uh, I've been talking for a long time about how the future is a little bit scary for people with children choosing what type of education they need, et cetera, et cetera. So what do you believe are the best skills to equip our children as we go forward into the future, given, given AI and robotics and everything else like that? What do you believe are the most important skills? <laughs> ben, go ahead with this one. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go second. It'll be long-winded. So you don't, you don't mean with specific like to investing, you just mean in general. Well, well, for me, the way I painted out, I think um, looking at the best minds in the world, critical thinking is the number one skill that every child should be taught. Creativity is something that robots can't do and AI can't do. So creativity is very important, whatever artistic form that takes. Complex problem solving is also very, very important. And uh, a key skill that I've... I realized is extremely important. And I look at some of the wealthiest people in the world and either they are brilliant critical thinkers 
or they have extremely high emotional intelligence. Pick one. So I think emotional intelligence is another one. So I got the three C's and then emotional intelligence will be my kind of four skills. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would mostly agree with that for sure. I mean, or I'll agree with all of it. I, I, you know, our, we have, I have a five-year-old, a two-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, so we're, they're still, they're still at pretty young ages for, for the most part. Uh, but the five-year-old in terms of critical thinking, that is something we, we've, I, I haven't focused on a lot recently because, you know, he'll ask me questions and stuff and I'll, I'll try to just say, well, you know, what do you think? Like, how do you, you need to figure this problem out rather than having me tell you the, you know, the, the, the answer to it. So I do think, I, I think that is, is uh, critical thinking is, is really good because it, it basically prepares you for everything, you know, a lot of things that you'll, you'll encounter in life. And you're not always going to have someone there to tell you what the correct answer is, you know? So it's important to be able to, to come up with something that you can uh, figure out on your own. Um, and then, yeah. And then I probably other things just like, um, like, like patience, I, I think is a big one for, for, for my kids. And, and that, like the idea of like, like, you know, if this like delayed gratification or something like, you know, you can have this if you do this other thing for a while or, you know, something like that. Um, we've been trying to work on, but it is really hard, uh, especially, especially with all the, all the restrictions that we're under right now and all the limitations that we're even able, able to do. Yeah. Well, patience is a key skill for investing too. So I forgot to mention that one as well. Brilliant. Any insight from you, Rob? What do you think? Yeah. Well, I mean, my kids are all gone. They're out of the house. So it's a little bit different. If it's a little bit different, uh, as they get out of the house now, it's just, uh, it's more like, you know, mentorship, you know, make sure they're not, getting into uh, too much trouble and they're, they're moving in the right direction. Now the grandkids are a little bit different. I mean, it's the same thing, just kind of, I, I just have an easier, we just have an easier job now, but really what it comes down to is uh, this, it's always the same thing as they're growing up. There are people who are extremely smart and they can do a lot of things like you just talked about, but I find that some of the most successful people are the ones that uh, are, they have a way to interact with people and get in and actually uh, work in the right way, if you want to call it emotional intelligence, but just the way they kind of get into and work with people to actually make things happen. I think it's one of the biggest things that they can actually do. And then uh, the other thing that I always talked about is hard work. I don't care how smart you are, how much, how much you want to do, whatever else, but uh, if you don't put in the work, it's not going to happen. And it's the same thing as like with, with investing. I don't care how smart you are and how much you're really into it, unless you don't do the work and you actually have the mentality to, to stomach it, then it's not gonna work out. So those are just the basics of the basics I can, I can say. That's excellent. Okay, now we have some live questions from the quickfire round and everything is kind of related, which is cool. And it's interesting to see, you know, when people get bored with crypto, they look for other things. So there's a huge amount of interest <laughs> now in equities and Again, as I mentioned, sometimes some of the many equities are down 80% or some of them are selling way, way under intrinsic value. But this is a crypto question from Luke out there in the audience. He said, it seems that ETH could flip Bitcoin in the very long term. What are the odds other large caps could flip Bitcoin as well? Uh, maybe what coins would they be? What do you think about that, guys? Mm, depends on what they're able to do. If they're actually able to like grow and and scale and actually have like real world use case and sure i think it could happen but right now which ones which cryptos are actually doing that or could actually actually do that i don't well, see I, too I, many yeah i think i think eth could technically flip bitcoin if it gets 
<laughs> gets itself organized. And then there's a potential ETH killer as well that could flip Ethereum. Possible. And then there's a stable coin that could just explode in use if it becomes the foundation of the cryptoverse. Using your term, Ben. So that would be Luna. So all of these are theoretically possible. But what do you reckon, Ben? I, I would reckon that Bitcoin's going to stay number one for a, a while. No, I don't think any. I don't think altcoins are flipping ETH or ETH is flipping Bitcoin in 2022. I'll say that. Uh, hmm. Maybe Ethereum could flip Bitcoin in 2023 potentially, depending on you know depending on how things turn out. But I will say, uh, one thing we do notice is that uh, you know Bitcoin will likely get to a new all-time high first. Uh, that's something we've always seen in, in the crypto markets um, after a major major pullback. We even saw that this summer, Bitcoin got to a new all-time high uh, before Ethereum did. So while I do think it is the most likely that if anything's going to flip anything, like an alt flipping ETH or ETH flipping Bitcoin, I think it'll be ETH flipping Bitcoin. But I don't think either of those things will happen in 2022. Good. Got a, a good question from Ron B. And some people had the foresight to get out of crypto or they just got frustrated. But this is from Ron. He said, hey, guys, I sold my crypto, but I'm still sitting on my top three cryptos and I'm sitting on a lot of cash. Would you buy Palantir, MicroStrategy or put it back into crypto? <laughs> Go with you first, Rob. I don't, I mean, like, would you, you be buying I'll, if you were sitting on a lot of cash? Would you be buying now? And what, where would you place it? No, I don't like always if like to my I wouldn't put in a micro strategy. Can you I mean, can you really what's your return on investment on that? I mean, I don't see how that could actually do it. I it, think right it, now would be yeah. a pretty good time to get. Yeah. In. So when I look at the discounts in GBTC and MicroStrategy, they are both trading far, far below Bitcoin. So they should tech theoretically, if math proves correct, they should outperform Bitcoin. No ifs, ands, or buts. That's just mathematics. Well, that was something I was actually thinking about with, with GBTC. It's like, it, basically, are people, I guess the idea is if, if Grayscale gets, con, if they get converted to a spot ETF, do you just instantly get that, you know, that back? Like, it, so basically, it's basically, it's a bet on, it, it almost seems like GBTC right now, while it's trading for, you know, so far, it's almost trading right now as if Bitcoin's already below $30,000 with the discount that you're getting. So I, it all, to me, it seems like people are, are basically just betting that there is going to be a spot ETF and that when it gets converted, they, they're going to see like an instant 20, 30 percent return or something. Yeah. And, that, and that, that will happen. The, the spot has to reflect the true value of the holdings and it has to track it identically. So that's that's the reason for a spot. And there will be a spot. I just don't know when. I'm thinking Gensler will approve it by June. And if that does happen, obviously, the smart people in the stock market will get wind of it first and they'll arbitrage the heck out of it so it'll disappear before the actual launch date but right yesterday the gbtc was at a 28 and a half percent discount today it's 26.7 so people are wise to it it's been hovering around 20 percent for the last four or five months so i think that's probably where it'll revert to yeah i mean it's been pretty low recently so yeah. buying it is sort of a, 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 a you're banking on it on on that going back to, to zero which is it's weird that it's so low right now like that it's like 20 yeah. percent like, like MicroStrategy is just a total head-scratcher because the intrinsic value of MicroStrategy as a corporation is 1.2 to 1.5 billion. And yeah. <laughs> the whole company is selling at a tw over 20% discount to the, just the Bitcoin holdings that they have. So obviously some people are concerned. But Ron, in, in terms of me, I'm layering in slowly. I'm waiting for full pain capitulation before I go all in. But I am nibbling on different things. I bought a little Bitcoin last night. I bought a little Solana at 
120 or something. Uh, bought a little square today, but I'm not going in whole hog. I'm just chipping away um, and layering in Amazon too. So that's kind of my strategy. Next question, Charles Kincannon, entry microstrategy, Tesla, GVTC, and taxable gas. Here, the next question is related to exactly what we're talking about. So right now they're just beaten to death, but remember they're all proxies. Tesla, as I said, for, for months now, anywhere between 850, 900, 950 is a good score. Um, like it looks like Tesla's holding up really, really well at that 950 mark. Anytime it gets close to 950, it gets bought up. Um, I don't know if you guys track those things very closely, but uh, right now they're all, all severely in the kill zone. Maybe $9 off for Tesla. That'd be what I would say. Not financial advice, of course. So next question is more about regulatory risk. Uh, there was an interesting piece from Gary Gensler, and this is kind of crypto creed, but I'm going to add to it. Gary Gensler said in an interview that 6,000 cryptos he believe are in violation of securities laws. And that was a relief for me because the 16,000 or 17,000 cryptos now. So if he says only 6,000 of them are in violation, that's kind of a good sign. But do you see uh, names like Solana having regulatory risk? And also, what this person is thinking, Crypto Creed, should they sell their link? Because link went up and then it's fallen back down again. Should they sell it and layer into something like Solana? What would you guys do? I wouldn't sell link. I think that's a that's that's a blue chip. I mean, I don't understand. Again, like I see that. I think everything needs. We talked about this. We talked about like the last three episodes yeah. where Chainlink is like. I mean, everybody needs it. it. It needs it as an oracle. I don't think there's anything else out, that's out there that can do the same thing that Chainlink can, or at least I mean, to the scale that it can do it. So I'm like, why would you? You can sell it and go to Solana, but let's say Solana doesn't. Let's say something happens with with, with Solana, some kind of more issues or congestion or whatever else, and people are like then it just goes down again. So now you're like, okay, now the Solana doesn't work. Now I got to get into something else. So just, I'm not a big fan of jumping around. Just find the project that works out pretty well, and you like the team, you like the utility, and just kind of go with that. That's well, that's what I can say. Yeah, and I think what the key metric that people like Gary Gensler will look at, and that's why I track it very carefully, is the number of validators within the network. And Solana has 1,500. Cardano has how many validators now? 3,000? So yeah, something like that. 2,000, 3,000. Over 220,000. So once you hit that tipping point of, say, two to 3,000 validators, theoretically, the chain is more or less decentralized. And I know that it's very important for all of these chains to get as many validators as possible as they go forward. So that's a key metric to look at. And let me see, Fizbin, I've heard people say that a massive liquidation would help price. I don't get it. It seems like selling leads to a decline. What am I missing? So we've, we've been through the different massive capitulation events. And typically after those happen, there's a big bounce. What do you guys reckon? Like a lot of people think we just need to clear the way for max pain and then people will see the screaming bargain that is maybe maybe Bitcoin at 30K again. That's the second bite of the apple. The money will come in fast. Uh, how do you guys view that theory? Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of people sitting on the sidelines right now. Um, and I mean, to some degree, if, if I mean, James, you said it too, like if we have laddered buys all the way down, you could say that our, some of our cash is sitting on the sidelines as well, just kind of waiting to, to buy. I, I do think there are a lot of people uh, 
waiting to buy. I mean, you can see people are taking profits out of the NASDAQ, or, you know, out of tech stocks, out of the, I mean, just out of the stock market in general. Eventually, they're going to want to put that money somewhere. Um, so it's just a matter of, of a lot of market participants sort of thinking that the bottom is, is in. And it's really hard to think the bottom is in when you just see sort of this slow downtrend, like efficient selling where you're not seeing a cascade. You know, the, the price is coming down, but the leverage, the open interest hasn't really, I, I mean, I don't think it's really changed a whole lot. So to me, to me, I, I think you're right. I think what people are waiting for and what I'm waiting for to, to start, you know, getting a, bullish in the short term again is I, I want to see a lot of volume come into the space on, on a mass liquidation event. That's what I want to see. And when I see that, then you're basically just repeating March 2020, December 2018, May 2021 all over again. Um, that's what we're waiting to see. And look, I mean, that could happen next week. It could happen tonight or it could happen two months from now. Like maybe we bounce from 38K and go back into the 40s for a while and then we have a liquidation event. We don't, we don't know when it's going to happen. Um, but usually that's what sort of clears the way for, for a sustained move higher. Yeah. One of the things that always yeah. gets me is the the difference between stock markets been open for six and a half hours a day and the proxies. And then what happens to crypto? Maybe there's people behind the scenes that are, you know, kind of active. Like if I look at, again, MicroStrategy is trading at 385 right now. If Bitcoin goes back to 42, 43K, the level it was at 28 hours ago, MicroStrategy belongs up around 500. <laughs> so what do you do during these off hours? It's kind of crazy. But there's a, a one final question. And many are concerned that if Bitcoin were to break 40K, it would mean game over for hitting $100,000 in a year. Do you guys think that has any impact? It's an interesting question. Mm, I don't, this it'd be the same thing as, as just saying like, well, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter how, how high or, or, or how low it goes. It's just once it hits this magical point and there's no way if we can get back to 100K. I mean, look at, look at how much it's actually grown in just the last year. I mean, I remember, was it in uh, April? Uh, we were at 63,000. Then we uh, took a huge dump down. And then all of a sudden, November, we were at 69K. So I don't see how just because if we break a resistance level, it can, it's, it can just go all the way to 30, then 20. Then some people are calling for like 18,000. I don't see that, but it doesn't mean that it can't happen. But I don't see it. Ben might be the guy. Well, I mean, look at look at what happened in into 2018. We dropped 50%. And then over the next six months, it went up 4x. <laughs> so like we went from 6k to 3k to then to 14k all in about six months or so. Um, so I don't, I don't think there's like a magic number that that then makes it so we are incapable of, of hitting 100k. Uh, I, I don't think 100k is happening in the first half of this year. I'll, I'll say that I, I don't think it's gonna happen that quickly. I think the earliest it could happen would be later this year. Um, or, or getting into early next year at this point. Uh, but yeah, it's still possible. I think it's still possible to happen this year. Uh, I think part of that will depend on how quickly we can just kind of rip the Band-Aid off and get whatever downtrend out of the way over with. How long is that going to take? Is it going to take a month, two months? Is it going to take four months? Like that, That's going to depend on, I think, how quickly we can move back up. Yeah, and if you look at historical Bitcoin retracements, 50% is not out of the ordinary, and we're nowhere near 50% yet getting close. So I think typically, I can't remember the exact numbers, but we did have 50% retracements happen in 2000, 2001, a couple of times. There's a, a chart I can't recall offhand, but I have a visual in my head. It looks like melting candles going down. 
and it shows you exactly um see if i can pull it up but there i got it okay so we had a 60.8 percent retracement back in march 2020 51 percent back in may 2021 um 50 percent and anyway a whole bunch of 50 percent retracements but every time it does this, unless we're in a deep bear market, typically the calculation happens. And if we, I believe we're still in a bull market. So when this does happen in a bull market, it'll shoot back up. But again, that definition of bear bull, technically we said if we're over 40% retracement last week, it's a bear, theoretical crypto bear market. But again, this is an extremely volatile asset. So you can't really look at those traditional metrics. Actually, one question for you guys both. Um, looking at you know, the lessening impact of the halvening cycles, looking at the on-chain metrics, looking at the adoption, looking at how early we are. I mean, open up a newspaper or look at anything is just nonstop Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin all over the world. We are still so early. Do you believe this bull market is over or are we still in it? I know it's a pretty obvious question, but a lot of people are beginning to give up the ghost and they'd probably like to hear from you both saying, no, no, we're still good. <laughs> or, yeah, it's a bear market. It's, I mean, didn't we talk about this like yeah. like two sessions ago? I, the it's questions bear, keep coming in. But I know, I know this is what people are thinking about. I, you just look at Twitter. Everybody thinks they're, they're, they're throwing in the towel. Everybody's capitulating. And that's, that's the moment. Forget the fear and greed because that obviously doesn't work. Because if it did work, we'd be under 10 like we were a few days ago. Um, but in terms of people, I just see people saying, okay, I'm done. I'm out. No more crypto for me. It's too painful, too much heartache. Can't do it anymore. And that is the time when you see that capitulation. And I've seen this in equity markets for a long time. That's when you know it's a good time to get back in. What do you guys well, think? James, well, just real quick, just how many millionaires are there in the world? 55. Mil millionaires, 55 million millionaires, sorry got the okay. million part how many people in the world like eight billion, eight billion. something like that yep. there's a reason why people make a lot of money and, and a lot of people don't and it's the same thing that I, we were just talking about it's because people give up and if you're going to give up that's fine i mean it's not for everybody it's tough it's a pain in the ass it's really uh, not delightful to do these things but uh, there is a reward at the end and uh it's just going to take a little bit of time and everybody talks about that's a, one problem with crypto that i i despise is people talking about the Dogecoin millionaires and things like that. There is still principles involved around investing and it's people just have to get, wrap their heads around it. And if they just stick in it for a while, like I just, I just thought about this on Twitter. I go, here's an unpopular opinion. Just give me four years, give me four years and you'll make more money in crypto than you will in a lot of different places. Not a financial advice, but I'm telling you it can happen. Just look what I did in 2017 to now, just dollar cost average doing okay. So that's all I got. Exactly. Ben, what's your take? Bear market or bull market? Or clearly we're still in a bull market or we're three quarters way through. I mean, or... Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that before as well. Yeah. Like it, the definition of a bull market and bear market is very subjective, right? I mean, everyone thinks of a bull market now as a 2016, 2017 type move. And then they think of a bear market as, as 2018, uh, you know, heading into 2019. Um, Look, if I mean, I, I back in the summer, I said we were in a mini, at least a mini bear market that was going to last three to six months. I, I think we're in the same thing, you know, something similar right now that could could last three to six months. We've been below it. We've been in one for about two months so far. So I, I think it could last a few more months. Um, 
I, I think we will trend higher uh, later this year and, and into 2023. Um, but in the short term, in the short term, there definitely is uh, certainly reason to, you know, to think that the prices could go, uh, could go lower in the short term. But again, there's, there's sort of a different mindset in, in, with investing in crypto. Like if, if you can't handle it, if you can't handle the volatility um, during these times, then you won't, you won't be around to see it go up 10x one day. Um, so yeah. I, that, I, I still yeah. think that, that Bitcoin will trend up with time. And, and also, furthermore, I, I would like to, to add on one thing that from a demand side, and this has been discussed a lot on, um, uh, you know, in, in the cryptoverse as well. From a demand side, Bitcoin has been bearish since, since February and March. Like there, there has not been new retail coming in uh, like we saw back then. That doesn't mean no one's coming in. Like some people are definitely coming in. But in terms of new people coming in, we saw a ton more people coming in back in late 2020, early 2021. And if you look at the like the one year ROI, the running one year ROI on Bitcoin, uh, it actually just crossed below one, I believe. And it, the last time it did that was um, sometime like a year or two ago uh, during the pandemic crash. So that was the last time it, it went below one. And then the time before that, that it went below one was um, like getting close to the end of 2018. So some people are, are looking at this market and saying we have a full year of, of nothing but just down. I, I think it's more likely that we're going to get to whatever the floor is in the next few months. And then we'll, we'll have to we'll have to work our way up from there. Like, I don't think it's just going to be down for the next year. So I think people just need to, to try to hunker down here for the next few months. Let's get past all this, you know, all the the, the scary stuff that the Fed is doing by raising interest rates, a very marginal amount that's not going to really do anything. Um, and and let's try to envision a world in, say, you know, five or six months where, you know, all the all the weak hands, as they say, they, they've sold off their positions. And maybe you have the spot ETF coming into play. Maybe you have um, more countries. <laughs> it's kind of weird to say that, but right? maybe you have more countries uh, adopting Bitcoin as, as legal tender. And, and maybe we'll have more regulation clarity later in 2022 as well, which would actually pave the way for, for more institutions to come in. So, yeah, it looks bleak in the short term, like over maybe the next couple of months, we, we have some, some, um, some turmoil to get to, to get through. But then I, I think later, later this year, the second half of this year, I think will we'll look a lot better than the first half. Yeah. And I think as well, if you look at things like Twitter and trends and Google searches, you have terms like Doge, which are synonymous with crypto which was a big problem. Now you've got Dogecoin down over 80% from its all-time high in 200 plus days. So I think the market's getting a little bit smarter and moving to better names. And I still think in 2022 will be the year where the black holes will suck in everything and attract all the money. And it's just about who is executing best behind the scenes right now, which chains are really beginning to disrupt and transfer. And again, if you have more than a, say, a three- to five-year time frame, you are incredible. There's one guy, the original Wolf of Wall Street, he hated crypto. He just flipped oh, yeah. into a complete crypto bull out of nowhere. Like now he gets up in conferences talking about how amazing crypto is. So the it just the adoption, the people that are tipping over to the crypto side, there's no doubt that the blockchainification of everything will revolutionize this world. We just need to be patient and the people that are on this stream right now, you are all early. So just hang tight, layer in what you can, be patient, turn off your screens, 
zoom out. <laughs> and remember, we're back to where we were back in August. So it's not too far away. So with that, I think uh, we try to keep this under an hour. And uh, we're in 58 minutes now. Any final wrapping thoughts from you both? And a big thank you as well to the audience for being here. Don't forget to subscribe to Ben and Rob's channel below if you haven't already. Maybe one thing to, to look at is, you know, how tech stock, I mean, because crypto has been so related to tech stocks recently and, and the NASDAQ has been selling off. Uh, the NASDAQ's down 2.5% today and it's basically now at the September low. It's basically right at that point, um, which is also where, where we also saw it, you know, back in, in July as well. So, you know, maybe maybe we'll see some type of. I mean, we're we're going to be coming up to the to the close here in what a oh, one minute uh, the the close. Yeah. Um, so, so maybe if the Nasdaq can bounce here heading into next week, then maybe we'll see that also reflected uh, in with crypto prices as well. I mean, they've just been getting hammered recently, so maybe we'll see some some short term relief. I'm just kind of watching the Nasdaq to try to get an an idea of what's going to happen. And I'm exerting all my patience because I swear, if I wasn't on the stream with you guys now, I'd be buying stuff. So it's actually a good discipline <laughs> that I'm not. Yeah, I'm just I'm just watching the Nasdaq. I'm like, all right, can we? I mean, it's it's down almost three percent today, like almost three percent. So it's like, okay, maybe next week we'll see a bounce, and then the whole the other markets will bounce too. Yeah, I mean, select names as well. Like Coinbase just got a huge shellacking, but all the insiders are dumping hard, and it, it's it is a bloodbath out there. But that's the way these things work. Things get oversold. Everybody oversold right now. We're getting to the oversold stage. And then they get overbought. The key is to play the swing. Get in early, yeah. ride it up, lock in profit, lock when you can, and get out and remove all emotion from the equation. So big thank you, everybody. And a big thank you as well to all the people that bought stickers from Kiwi Robin, Meher Diwali, Spunky Punket, Capono, Corwin, Kryptonite in my pants. I love that name. <laughs> and Roy Steven. You guys rock. And a big thank you as well. To the DCA team, Rob and Ben, you guys uh, give people comfort and help people have a steady hand in navigating these markets. So really appreciate you guys for being beacons of light and happy weekend to you both. Thanks for having us. No, See you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.